If you're a health entrepreneur, coach, or practitioner that wants to turn your expertise into a high six or seven figure virtual business with less stress, so you can impact more people at a deeper level while making more money and enjoying a greater quality of life in the process, then the Health Printer Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Uriel Kame. I'm a former pro athlete, leading health expert, New York Times bestselling author, and the founder of Health Printer, where I help experts just like you create and fill high-end virtual coaching programs that create dream come true results for your clients. Now, for a free and in-depth training on how to do just that without manual prospecting, one-on-one coaching, or having to spend years building your online following, head on over to healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash training and jump on to our seven-figure health business blueprint training today. And now, let's get to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Healthpreneur Show. Well, it's actually called the Health Printer Podcast, but that rhymed better. So we're going to go with that for today. So anyways, welcome to the show, guys. Hope you're doing awesome. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much for asking. And I've uh, got a great guest on our show today. Do you know who it is? You might if you've clicked on the play button. You probably know her name. Her name is Laura Schoenfeld. And let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a registered dietitian trained in functional medical nutrition therapy. I know that's a mouthful who specializes in women's health, hormonal balance, and recovering from stress-related conditions. She draws from a variety of sources to form her philosophy on nutrition, including ancestral diets, principles of biochemistry, current research, and obviously clinical practice. She actually started off working with Chris Kresser um, as he was building his online business, and she'll share a little bit about that journey. But nonetheless, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation because Laura is going to share some really cool things about how to give your clients exactly what they want. And I think, and and there's a few more things obviously we'll touch on, but this is kind of one of the premises of the show is a lot of times we're putting stuff out there that we think is cool, or we're having a tough time attracting clients because we're so focused on our thing instead of the result that the client actually is after. So I think this episode will really give you some food for thought and some different perspectives on how to approach the market in a way that people care about what the heck it is you're offering. Okay. So without any further ado, let's welcome Laura onto the show. Laura Schoenfeld, welcome to the Healthpreneur Podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Yuri. You're very welcome. So talk to our listeners. Obviously, we've given a bit of your introduction and bio uh, before jumping in here, but can you tell our listeners, give, give them a better sense of what your business model currently looks like? How does, just kind of give them a sense of how that all looks for you. Yeah. So I would say most of my business comes from working with one-on-one clients. Um, I've been doing that since 2014, basically about four years ago, I started the one-on-one client business right out of grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a, I'm a registered dietitian, so I do mostly nutrition, but also just lifestyle coaching, um, exercise, stress management, supplements, all that stuff that all goes along with lifestyle in general. Um, so most of my income right now comes from the one-on-one. Um, I do have a couple of group programs that I run um, intermittently, and I'm working on doing some evergreening of those products. Um, and also I'm working on building a membership platform. So my hope is that in the next couple of years, I'll start to transition more to the like group type of atmosphere with some one-on-one clients, but I really want to be able to reach a a broader audience and not have to rely on just booking one-on-one clients all the time for my business. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's, a, that's a, it's, it's interesting you say that because one of the, you know, one of the, the biggest challenges that we come up against with the people that we serve is we help a lot of people in our space who have been doing the one-on-one and they want to transition away from that to doing more group coaching because they're just, it's not scalable. They feel burnt out. So mm-hmm. it just seems like a natural evolution of, of how a lot of people want to take their practice, whether that's in person or virtual. How did you, I mean, how did you get into the space in the first place? Well, back in 2012, I actually was hired as a content manager for Chris Kresser. Mm-hmm. I assume you know him. Hey, I feel like every, awesome. everybody knows him. Um, and so I started off working for him, helping with his blog. And I kind of got to see the behind the scenes of running a business. And that was back when Chris had like five people max on his team. And I was like doing all the emails. I was helping put the content on the blog. Like I feel like it's so much has changed because his business is so different now. But, um, basically I got to kind of learn what that looked like to create a content marketing type of blog, um, and also do the emails and figure out how to actually construct that. And so being able to see what Chris was doing to build his audience, I was able to learn that while I was actually in grad school. And so I was learning the actual nuts and bolts of nutrition in grad school while also getting to learn the nuts and bolts of a business working for Chris. And then by the time I graduated, I basically knew right off the bat that I wanted to have that type of business, maybe not as big as Chris's businesses, but that style of business where you have the blog, you have maybe a podcast, um, you know, just being able to put content out to attract uh, clients to attract people to the business. And so that was pretty much my game plan from day one. I had actually started a blog even before I opened my doors as a nutritionist. So I had people actually waiting to work with me by the time I actually even had my dietetics degree. So um, it was a great learning experience and being able to learn from one of the best, obviously, was really a, a big blessing. And then as the last four years have gone on, I've just... Um, you know, like you said, I, it's, I love working with people and I love the interaction and talking to individuals, but it's not scalable. I only have so many hours in the week and everyone that I work with requires a lot of attention and, and, you know, just engagement. And I don't have unlimited energy to be able to engage with everyone at the level that I want to. So I feel like that's where looking at other entrepreneurs and seeing how they build a larger platform that can reach more people has been, um, just what I've really been trying to figure out in the last, I guess, year or so. Awesome. That's really cool. It's either we, we scale our business or we clone ourselves, right? So I don't know if the mm-hmm. cloning of humans is, is there yet, but <laughs> maybe done the really, Yeah. Really... Well, and I'm like a huge control freak, which is not, not great when you're trying to run a business. Cause it's hard to uh, build a team when you feel like, well, I, I would do this better if I was doing it, but you can't do everything. So I really tried to loosen up the reins and hire people to help with things. Um, but like you said, even, even just trying to potentially consider, hiring another RD to work under me, there's that concern of like, well, what if they don't recommend what I recommend? Or what if they're not doing as good of a job? So that's where I feel like building the platform actually makes me more comfortable because I'll still have control over the content. Yeah. Well, let's let's kind of talk about that for a second, because this is an area that a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to. Because I, I, I mean, we'll be very honest, like if you're the head of your company, if you're the the figure, the the personality, whatever you want to call it, you have a very particular way of doing things. You've got a, a process for which you help people. You have a process for which you get stuff done. And the the challenge is that a lot of times we, we expect people to do 
what we do at the same level, 100%. And I think mm -hmm. part of the challenge is like being okay with 80%. <laughs> so how, like, what are some of the initial things that, so for people listening that are maybe in a spot of being the solopreneur or they're, they're doing the one-on-one -on -one and they're maybe spending an hour a day on Canva, putting in their graphic or whatever mm. it is, what are, what are some of the initial things that you have had to get off your plate that ideally someone else can take on so that you can focus a bit more of your energy on, on what's most important for you? Yeah. Well, I, when we were doing a podcast, I have a colleague that I was doing a podcast with for several years. We recently turned it off just because it was getting um, too much time sucking and wasn't really giving us the, the uh, investment return that we were looking for. But when we were doing the podcast, hiring out someone to do the audio editing and creating the post for it and publishing the post, all of that was probably the first hire that we made. And that saved a lot of time just from, you know, even audio editing is like that takes an hour or two per episode. And so if you can hire that out, it's really amazing because then you can put more content out. Um, I've also hired people to help with the actual writing on my blog and research. So some of the stuff that I put out, you know, I, I need help researching things that are new topics or getting more research to support the recommendations and just being able to have that stuff um, more deeply researched is really helpful. So having a content manager slash research assistant has been really helpful. Um, right now I'm working on integrating a VA to help me with email management. So I just learned of this customer service email system called Help Scout. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be working pretty well. And it basically would help me actually bring on someone to go through my email and make sure that I'm assigned the emails that are important. And then they're dealing with the ones that aren't important. Cause as many people know, email can be an insane time suck. Yeah. Um, and really just setting boundaries around things like email, like not checking it at certain times of the day or, you know, promising my clients that I'll get back to them within two business days and not within two hours or something like that. So just those kind of things have really freed up a lot of time. Um, and then I also have a content strategist that I've hired who is helping me figure out, um, more of the nitty gritty details about like, my ideal client avatar, what those people are looking for, what kind of services I could create as far as a more of like a group platform is concerned. Um, she's actually one of my former clients. So it does help because I'm like, well, you tell me what you would be looking for because sure. you're one of my clients. So um, just having people give feedback because when you're I think when you're an expert and you're in that like expert mode all the time, it's really easy to forget what people actually need help with. Um, especially when you work with really complicated clients, you're getting into all this, you know, very deep and detailed work and you forget that some people don't even know what an ounce of protein looks like or, you know, something simple like that, that, you know, as an expert, you just take it for granted that people know. Mm -hmm. So I think having people to help, um, identify the needs of the clients and the needs of a larger base of clients that maybe would be missed if you're in that expert mindset. That's been really helpful too, just because sometimes I, I definitely take for granted that people understand certain details that when I talk to clients, I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize that people don't know that. So, um, so that's been really helpful too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a good point because I, I see this maybe more so in the health space than anywhere else is that we go to school for so long and we acquire all this knowledge and wisdom and then we think everyone knows this stuff, right? Yeah. But it's, I was in Morocco, uh, 
the other couple of weeks ago and my dad's Moroccan, but when I was there, we took our kids into the markets and stuff and everyone speaks Arabic. So it's kind of like we speak Arabic, but the rest of the people we serve speak English. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, they have no idea what we're talking about. And it's really like you know, dumbing things down to that level. But one of the things that um, I think you as well as everyone else has a great advantage of is you've, you've dealt with people and you currently deal with people one-on-one. And when you bring that online, I think the unfair advantage for us health experts and entrepreneurs in this space is that you've been in the trenches really getting deep with people where their fears and frustrations are, their desires, their pain points. And that's, you know, in most other industries, they have to do surveys to figure Mm -hmm. that out, right? We have this like in-person back and forth and that's, and I think it's a matter of spending just kind of getting back to that and if we spend more time in our prospective clients shoes it really sets us up for success and and i say this first and foremost because i spent a long time putting stuff out that i thought was cool but no one else did <laughs> and so I, I learned the hard way of like maybe i should just like listen to what people are going through and and, and do more of that mm-hmm. but um yeah so what would you so if you have um if you were to let's say teach a business course at at nutrition school you know god forbid there'd be a a business course in in school for nutrition what are what are maybe one or two tips you would give prospective upcoming rds or students coming out of those programs to really get their practice or their business off the ground Mm -hmm. yeah so i would say and it's funny that you laugh about the business side of nutrition because we definitely didn't learn anything about running a business so i i ended up doing marie forleo's business program when i first graduated because i was like even with learning from Chris, I still needed more structure. Um, so I would say, and this is something that I still struggle with having come from working with Chris Cresser and having that mindset of, I can help everybody. Um, and this is something we learn in nutrition programs as well. We learn every single different condition that you could think of and how to work with that person, how to like, what labs to look at, like what nutrition guidelines to give that condition. I think a lot of dietitian and I'm assuming other nutrition students come out not really knowing what, like what specific population they want to work with. And they're afraid that if they niche too hard with a specific population, that they're going to limit their client base. Mm. I know when I first started, I was like, I'm willing to take anybody and any, any condition you have, just come and I'll help you. Um, and it's not that I couldn't do that. It wasn't like I was like totally failing at helping people just from a marketing perspective and from an expertise perspective, it's really, really difficult to get consistent clients if you don't have some level of niche, um, whether that's a gender or a specific health condition or, you know, a certain type of, um, athlete or something like that. It's just, it's, if you don't already have a decent base of audience, when you first graduate, it's going to be really hard to get clients if you're not niching. Um, and then the other issue there is if you're not niching, you're trying to learn protocols and recommendations for every single unique case that you're coming across. And the more you can narrow down to specific health topics that you focus on, the more you can really get deep knowledge around that topic. And then, so the people that find you for that topic then get even better help because you've done so much research on that topic. So I think the niching thing and like the idle customer avatar piece, it's funny. Every time I do a business program, it comes up as like number one step, make sure you know who your avatar is. And I feel like 
I still struggle with that because I have that mindset of like, I can help anybody. I don't want to get too specific, but it really does make a huge difference with not only marketing, but also just your ability as a practitioner. Totally. Um, I'm going to just throw a mic drop on that. Like that's, okay. if you're listening to this, that is where everything starts. I know. Everything, and it sounds so basic. It, and that's the problem is that it is, it's like, well, it's not sexy. Like give me the tactics, right? But right. guys, like you have to understand this. Um, I just want to piggyback on a few things you mentioned. Imagine like being a pro athlete, right? So pro athletes, maybe ath- maybe most people start off in, in, in sports as they try a couple different sports. Eventually, they figure out, I'm going to master this one sport, right? You can't be a pro in two, let alone three different sports. You have to narrow down to one. And the, I think the, the other important, there's two other important things that I've recognized with really defining this is one is it helps you stand out in this mm-hmm. very crowded marketplace. And if you're coming out as a dietitian, well, naturally you're being put into a group of, uh, you're, you're, it, you become a commodity a lot more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you start to narrow down a really niche and say, listen, like I'm the expert for these types of people with this problem, you start to stand out. But second, we talked about scaling and kind of moving from one-on-one to group. When you have one specific focus, it's easy to put together a very specific protocol that everyone follows. Mm-hmm. And then you can scale that. But when we're dealing with like diabetes and heart disease and this and this and this, now you've got all sorts of, you're, you know, you're juggling a thousand different balls at the same time. So guys, what Laura just said with like narrowing down on one specific like client or a niche market, if you haven't done that yet, don't even do anything else in your business because everything else is just going to go off the, off the rails if you don't get this narrowed down. So Laura, thank you so much for mentioning that. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm kind of preaching to myself because as I'm working through the process of, uh, developing a membership program, I'm like, I still need to figure out who I'm actually creating this for. So it's, I'd say it's an ever, uh, ever ongoing process because you don't just like pick one and then that's all you do for the rest of your life. You might, you know, branch out or maybe you add a second one, but it's just like, you can't do it all. So you have to kind of start somewhere. Um, and then the second piece of advice that I would give, which may not be so much, well, I guess it's relevant to business, but it's something that I feel like has really helped with my business over the last couple of years is to really just let yourself be yourself with your marketing. And if you're doing any social media, anything like that, like actually showing yourself as part of the brand. And maybe it's not appropriate if somebody's got a, a group brand that isn't really their face or anything. But I know for me, I have a, a business that is my name as the brand. So if that's the kind of um, plan that you have, I just feel like letting yourself be yourself, taking a stand on things that you believe in, not being afraid to show up in a way that might be a little bit controversial. Um, just really being able to show your personality in the work that you do and in your message is really, really important as well. Um, as an example, I am a Christian and that's something that in the health sphere is not like the most popular thing. I mean, it's not like horrible, but it's not exactly like super cool to be Christian in the health world. Um, and there's been this level of, I don't know, just like a little bit of fear. Like what if I turn people off or what if I do like a faith-based post and all these people are like, Oh, she's like hardcore Christian. I'm going to like unfollow her because she's annoying. Um, there was that fear at first that there would be backlash because my, uh, my business got started in like the paleo ancestral health sphere, which is obviously not 
usually Christian. It's usually based on evolution, that kind of thing. Um, so I was a little worried about that, but I was like, you know what? I think it's really important for me to really share my full belief system because it does impact what I do as a entrepreneur. It impacts my recommendations. It impacts my philosophy on health. And honestly, I feel like that has been a huge benefit to my business because I get people who they come to me because they say, oh, I am interested in working with you because you're Christian. And I'm not saying that you have to use it as a religion thing. It could be something else like, oh, I'm a power lifter. So I take power lifting clients or something like that. But I think just being like this niche thing doesn't only have to be about health conditions that you work with. I really think that whatever your personality is and whatever your passions are and things that you feel like you're you know, really shape your mindset and shape your belief system in the world, that stuff actually is good to share with people because you'll find other people who agree with you and then they'll be like raving fans of you. So that would be something that I think has really kind of taken my business to the next level just from being like, oh, another paleo dietitian to, oh, she's like the Christian paleo dietitian. So it just gets even more attractive to the right people. That's so true. Like you have to fly your flag. Like you really have to, you have to say like, this is who I am and it's going to repel some people and it's going to attract the right people. It's, it's like a boomerang, right? Like you put the, you put it out and you're going to attract right back to you the types of people you want to work with. And I think the more, and I think what you kind of you mentioned earlier was, you know, we're, sometimes we're we're fearful of of really putting ourselves out there in an authentic way, and we you know we feel we're going to kind of turn people away and we're going to narrow down too deeply. That's exactly what we want to do, right? Because mm-hmm. that's how you exactly attract the right people to work with. And I think a lot of times people end up attracting clients that they can't stand just because they're not being themselves. So they're attracting mm-hmm. the wrong people into their business in the first place. So that's awesome advice. Yeah, I think people tend to be afraid of um, turning people off or put, turning people away because especially when you're starting a business, you're like, I don't want to turn anybody away. But honestly, that was probably the biggest mistake I made starting my business was not having any boundaries around who I was taking on as a client or who I was agreeing to work with because the more people you work with that are not your ideal clients, the more exhausting the work is. And if you end up working with like you know, maybe it's not a hundred percent, but let's say 90% of your clients are the exact ideal clients that you'd like to work with. Your work week is a lot easier because you don't get up and like dread who you're about to talk to. So I think it's, it's really good for psychological health for your, your own sake. And then also just the more, the more strong of a stance you take on things, the more that the people who agree with you will actually, you know, they'll be drawn to you and they'll be, they'll be willing to pay more money to work with you because they know that you're on their same um, wavelength. 100%. And I mean, just for reassurance, I know uh, several people in the health space who are crushing it and they're very faith-based and they're very mm-hmm. open about that. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Muslim or Jewish or Christian, like whatever it is, like just be yourself. And yes, right. people are going to be turned off. Who cares? But um, it, it, I mean, it's funny. I was, I was um, when I go on vacation, I don't really... I mean, quote unquote, vacation, like digital free, not a lot. I mean, I I do, but sometimes I'm happy to work from a nice destination and people are like, what are you doing working? I'm like, it's not work for me. I love what I do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it'd be very different if I was dreading the people that I was serving. So it's, you know, guys really made that conscious decision to be yourself and attract those right people because everything stems from there and it just becomes a lot more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes that you've made in your business up until now? And I mean, what have you learned from that lesson or that mistake? Hmm. I, I still think it's along the lines of what we've been talking about where 
I was refusing to niche for a really long time. Um, and that I think just, it didn't kill my business or anything. I mean, I was lucky to have a level of audience right off the the get go in the beginning. Um, so it's not like I was just totally floundering on that, but it's just the less clarity you have about the kind of person you want to work with, the more you end up working with people that aren't the right fit. And it's not that they're bad people. It's just that if it's not a good fit, it does, it just takes so much more energy to work with that person than someone who is a good fit. Um, and then also just being afraid to really niche down and pick a topic and really hammer it in because it's just, you don't attract as many people if you're not niching. And so, and this is, again, I'm definitely preaching to myself because I'm still working on this, still working on getting clarity about who my niche is and how detailed I want it to be, all of that good stuff. But um, there was a really long period of time that I was just kind of a generalist. And I think that, you know, I would have probably gotten a lot more um, business advancement in a lot shorter period of time if I had done the work to do the niching in the first place. Um, and then I would say just the second issue is another thing we kind of talked about what, where um, I was trying to do the solopreneur thing for a really long time. And I finally this year was like, you know what, I'm going to start building my team and really get a lot of this stuff automated. So that way I can focus on the more important, like, you know, high level work that I am the one that needs to do. And it's just been really helpful to have people helping me. And I think just kind of loosening up the reins and letting other people come in and, and do the, do the work that, yeah, I could do it, but it's not something I need to do. I think just being able to let that stuff go and trust that another person can do it has been a really important thing. And I think I took too long to get to that place. Sure. Well, and I want to talk about investing in self slash business. Um, what do you think it was for you? What's one of the best investments you've made, whether it's, you know, money, time, education, et cetera, to help you really get to where you are now? Um, yeah, I've done a decent amount of business type of coaching. Um, I, I mean, the Marie Forleo program was really helpful. So she's the one that does B school. And that was kind of like my first entry to business coaching. And it was funny because back then I was like, oh my gosh, $2,000, that's a lot of money to spend on business. And now I'm like, oh, $2,000, that's like normal. Everyone charges $2,000. So, um, so that was, that was helpful because I feel like it kind of gave me basic starting point information. Um, I have worked with some business coaches in the past. I think the challenge for me is I always want to balance that like paying and putting some skin in the game where you're like, okay, this is, I'm taking this seriously. I'm putting money into it. Um, but I find that if I, if I pay too much money and I'm not seeing the return on that investment or I'm getting overwhelmed with the content, I actually start to shut down. So I've kind of had to be a little bit more, um, you know, just thoughtful about the business programs that I join because if it's, too much money, too hardcore, too intense, and I don't have the bandwidth to actually implement, then I just am like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I can't do this. So I found that a lot of these little group courses have been really helpful. Um, like I know I just signed up for Stu McLaren's tribe course for helping build a membership, which I've seen you, Yuri, on some of his, uh, his uh, <laughs> marketing. Stu's a good buddy of mine. And uh, yeah, we, were, we did a case study together. So yeah, it was great. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I look at those things as saying, okay, there's like little chunks of practical information that it's not obviously cheap. It's not like a hundred dollars or something, but it's low enough cost that I don't feel like it's going to put this like dark cloud of anxiety over my head about making the money back. And then it's also, I think 
the bite size information is really helpful. And honestly, being a student in these courses has been almost an education in itself, learning how to break information down for my students. Because I think one of the issues that I tend to struggle with, or I used to struggle with more in the past, not so much anymore, but I used to have an issue with um, just dumping a lot of information on people because my thought was, oh, they're paying for this. I need to make sure they get a lot of values. I'm just going to give them everything all at once. And I wasn't really doing the coaching piece where it's like, okay, picking the the pieces of information that they need to start with and then building on that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like going through these courses, not only I get to learn actual strategy, but I get to see like, what, what is a good course? Like, what does that look like? How do they drip it out? What do they do with like videos or handouts or like what makes this valuable to me? And then I can apply that to the work that I'm doing and say, okay, if I'm trying to solve X problem, what bite-sized chunks do I need or how can I use their structure? Oh, they did videos. Maybe I could do videos about my topic. And so it's kind of a combination learning experience. Um, So I usually think all entrepreneurs should be doing some kind of coaching or some kind of business program to not only learn themselves, but also to experience the customer side of the equation. Because I think when we're not, we're not our own, or if we're not acting as a customer for other higher ticket items, then it's going to be really hard for us to understand what other people are willing to pay for with our business. So, yeah, that's, that's really good. And and it's true. Like the, one of the best ways to learn is to go, is to be a student of other programs or other coaching programs. I Mm -hmm. mean, obviously there's ones that are some that are better than others. I mean, what Stu's done with tribe is a tremendous example of how to drip content out in a way that doesn't overwhelm you. And I think, again, especially speaking from the health space, I think one of the things that we that we've noticed is that so many people are focused on giving, uh, they're focused more on the information than the transformation. And they think that if we just give like, oh, I spent a thousand hours developing this course, no one cares about that, right? Mm -hmm. And I say that because I spent a thousand hours developing one of my courses years ago, and sadly, no one cares about that. It's about what is the problem they want solved and just focus on that. So if you're adding something in, it's like, is this moving them closer to their goal or is this this a distraction? Is it just overwhelming them with more stuff? And I think it's a really good process to go through, like really thinking about, I believe we're in a, we're in a day and age where product really matters and product meaning the, the deliverable that you're, you're offering and really thinking through that guys. Cause if you create something really magical, you know, marketing becomes a, lo- a whole lot easier afterwards. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean, just one more question on this. What do you, um, what, what do you say to someone who is either starting out or looking to grow their business and they're reluctant to invest in themselves? Because I say this because um, when I started my business, I decided I was going to do this on my own. I didn't need any help. I was smart enough. I could mm-hmm. figure this out. Three years later, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not smart as, as, as smart as I thought I was. So I eventually invested in my first coach who um, was $18,000. And I, that was more money than I had made online in the previous two years mm-hmm. combined. So I tell people, most of the investments that I make are above my pay grade and they make me feel uncomfortable, but that's the only way I know that I'm moving forward in the right direction. So what do you say Mm -hmm. to that? Like based on your experience and maybe what advice you'd give to someone else? Yeah. Well, and I think the amount you're willing to spend, like it's going to change over time. So don't think that the first thing you have to buy has to be $18,000. Like I, you know, the first thing I bought was $2,000 and that felt uncomfortable at the time. Um, so it should be a level of discomfort. That's like, okay, this is something I'm going to take seriously because I just feel like if there's not enough of an investment, you'll just kind of like peter out and not really take it seriously. And then you won't get the results because you're not taking it seriously. So 
I do think that people get better results when they invest more money into the work that they're doing with a coach or with a, a program, that kind of thing. Um, honestly, I've just found over the last couple of years that it's easier to sell to, to like to put potential clients if I am also spending money on my own self-development because basically you're trying to convince someone that spending money on themselves is actually worth doing. And if you're not doing that yourself, cause you don't think it's worth it, then why should they think it's worth totally. it? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do business coaching stuff. I've been working with a personal strength and conditioning coach for about three years now, um, to work on my own fitness. And so it's one of these things where I'm like, yeah, I don't technically need a coach for that. I could go to the gym by myself, but I really see the value in outsourcing that. I get better results. I'm more committed. I, you know, my entire day is structured around that that workout session. So I make sure I eat enough. I make sure I sleep well the night before. So it just has this ripple effect in my life where it's not that my coach is telling me anything about how to eat or sleep or anything like that, but you know, I'm taking it seriously because it's I'm investing money in it. I want it to be worthwhile. So um so I think just being willing to spend money on your own self-development makes you more legitimate as someone who's trying to get other people to spend money on self-development. And then also, I just think the amount of time you save learning from an expert on a certain topic is so like, it's invaluable because if you're trying to learn this stuff, because with online business, there's just so many different things you could do, so many different directions you could take, so many different trial and error experiences you'd have to go through to really figure out what's going to work. I think if you can if you find an expert that you trust and obviously, you know, do your due diligence, don't just like sign up for every single different coaching program that's pitched to you. Make sure you actually feel like the person knows what they're talking about. Or if it's a one-on-one -on -one coach that you have some like testimonials or you see some examples of their work. Um, but just understanding that like the amount of time you save for the amount of money that you're spending working with a coach is, I can pretty much guarantee it's going to pay out in the end. It may not pay out within the first month or the first year that you do it. But I am confident that if you've picked a good coach to work with, you'll see that, that return on your investment very quickly. And it may even be something that you see a return on within the first couple months of the investment. So I think if, if you're comfortable, it shouldn't be like so expensive that you feel like you're going to have to take out a second mortgage on your house to afford it. Um, but it should be, expensive enough that you feel a little nervous doing it. I, I feel like having that slight, slight nerves when you're going to sign up is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. Uh, that's great advice. It's, it's so true. One of the things I want to let our listeners kind of think about is if you're coaching clients, if you're coaching people, whether it's online or, or in person, and you run into the situation where people say, you know what, I think I'm going to just do this on my own for a bit and, and then figure things out and then I'll come back to you. If that happens, I'd like you to look in the mirror because if you're not working with a coach because you think you can figure things out, you're going to attract the same people into your business who are trying mm -hmm. to go down that same path in terms of they're going to figure things out on their own. So I think what you know, Laura just brought up the very fact that you're investing, you, like be the client you want to attract. Right? Mm -hmm. If you want people to invest in you or in themselves, you have to invest in you and yourself. And mm -hmm. if you're not, it's incongruent and you're simply just going to hit a wall every single time. And it's, I don't know if it's an energetic thing or whatever it is, um, but it just, it, just, it just happens. So awesome advice, Laura. You ready for the rapid five? <laughs> no, but you can go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as you guys know, listening in, Laura really has no idea what these questions are. So... 
let's uh, let's jump into it. All right. So number one, what is your biggest weakness? Uh, um, biggest weakness. Mm, I would say worrying about what other people think of me probably. Um, now obviously there's a double edge to that sword where, you know, I think I'm, I'm empathetic and I want people to, to be happy and I want to take care of people. But sometimes it turns into this, like, Oh no, I'm afraid of like saying my speaking my mind or doing what I want to do because I'm worried what my mom's going to say. I'm worried about what my friend's going to say or what some Joe Schmo on Instagram's going to say. So that's been something that's been a little bit of a barrier to get past with my business. Sure. No, that's, that's understandable. And number two, what's your biggest strength? Um, I would say the other ed- edge of that sword is my empathy for people, my compassion. So, you know, I definitely care a lot about the people I work with and I'm very committed to, um, you know, doing what I can to help them. And if part of what I do is send them to someone else, I just feel like my clients can tell that I really do honestly care about them and their results. So I think my empathy tends to be one of my, my best strengths. That's awesome. And, uh, and I'll just, I'll just let you know, as well as all of our listeners, I, I really believe empathy is the secret sauce to success in business, because if you don't have that, you have no way of relating to the people you're serving. So that's a good strength to have. Um, number three, what's one skill you've become dangerously good at in order to grow your business? Um, I would actually say I've gotten a lot better at selling. So doing like free consults and getting people to book packages, I've really been trying to hone in on my skills on that. And um, I I think it used to be a lot harder in the past and I was very afraid of it. I didn't like selling. And now I've gotten to a place where I feel pretty good about my skills um, when it comes to pitching my services in a way that's actually successful. So um, that's a really important skill to have as a business owner, being able to sell your services. And I think being able to look at it as I'm not just taking money from someone. I'm actually just doing an exchange of value. It's, it's been a big, you know, mental shift that I've gone through in the last, um, the last year or so. That's awesome. And it's also challenging too, when you say your, your biggest weakness is the fear of what other people think of you. Right? Mm-hmm. And then selling, like they're kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum, right? And that's one of the challenges a lot of people face. Is like, oh, I don't want to be too pushy, or I don't want to ask for right. a sale. They might say no. They might hate me. So I, I tell people, like, entrepreneurship is the ultimate spiritual journey. It's the ultimate way to grow <laughs> as a person because you have to go through all this like internal junk and be mm-hmm. like, all right, let's just make this happen. And it's, um, I'm sure you've recognized that it's a great growth curve to go through. Yeah. Well, I think I've. It's made me be okay with rejection, but it's also taught me how to, you know, if I really believe that I can help the person, like it's not a bad thing for them to pay me money to help them. You know, it's, I think just getting that, that kind of negative connotation out of the money exchange piece is, um, cause I'm happy to pay for services. I, every time I, um, my strength and conditioning coach is like, do you want to re-up your package? I'm like, yeah, like it doesn't even, cross my mind whether or not I should keep doing what I'm doing. So I know that if I'm working with the right person, that it shouldn't be this like horrible experience for them to pay me money. It's something that they're happy to do. So I, it's just been a big mental shift to be able to be like, I'm just helping them. And if they don't want to do it, it's fine. It's not, you know, that doesn't say anything about me or my skills, but you know, it's, it's, it is my job to prepare them and to ready them to make that commitment. And that's something that I've kind of taken into the sales process. That's awesome. Good for you. 
Number four, what do you do first thing in the morning? Um, I do a Christian gratitude journal by, do you know who Ben Greenfield is? I was just about to say, yeah, he's Ben's a good <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. So you have a lot of friends, don't you? I, um, I pretty much know everyone in this space. Yeah. I've been, I've been around for a while. Yeah. So I'm friendly with Ben and his wife and, um, he released his Christian gratitude journal, which is kind of like the Christian version of the five minute journal, I would yep. say. Um, so I have that next to my bed and I make sure I do that, um, before I start getting ready for the day on, awesome. on weekdays, at least weekends, I might be a little bit less, uh, structured. Sure. Awesome. Uh, and finally complete the sentence. I know I'm being successful when, when I finish a day and I feel really, um, satisfied with the work that I did. Awesome. Wicked. Love it. Laura, thank you so much for being with us on the show. This has been a really great interview. I've really enjoyed our time together. What is the best place for our listeners to check you out online, follow your work, maybe even, you know, inquire about your services? Yeah. So everything that I do, my home base is lauraschoenfeldrd.com. Um, and so if you want to see the blogs that I'm putting out or the programs or the services that I offer, all of that is found there. And then as far as getting to know me more as a person, um, I really like Instagram. I don't know what it is about Instagram, but I've just kind of like latched onto that one as my social media of choice. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I try to share little personal anecdotes or things that I'm doing or things like things that I'm learning in my own life. And so that's kind of where you get to know me more as a person on Instagram, but then on my website, not that you don't get to know me a little bit on, on my <laughs> website, but a lot of what's on my website is more health information. Sure. So um, so yeah, that would be the two best places to find me. Awesome. And we'll be sure to link up to that in the show notes for you guys. So uh, check that out. And Laura, thank you once again so much for, for being with us. It's always great to connect with people doing awesome stuff in our space. And I just want to uh, express my gratitude and appreciation for you and the work that you're doing and continue to serve your clients and, and paying it forward to making this world a healthier place. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Yuri. You're welcome. All right. Hope you enjoyed that bad boy. One of the things I wanted to touch on from our, our interview was the fact that Laura talked about not being afraid to be controversial and taking a stand for what you believe in. I need you to really understand this because if you play plain vanilla with your business and the way you put yourself out in the marketplace, you're going to have a tough time standing out, okay? If, like Laura, you're a registered dietitian, there's what? hundreds of thousands of registered dietitians across North America, across the world, how do you stand out from every single one of them? If you're a trainer, if you're a doctor, if you're a chiropractor, it doesn't matter. Whoever it is you are, what you do, you it's not your information. It's not the information you provide that is going to trend that that's that that's going to be valuable to people. It's not because they can get the information from anyone. It's how you presented. It's how you approach working with your clients. It's your philosophy. And that's why I often say, and I don't know if you've heard this before, but I say, don't just share what you know, share what you believe. Because when you share what you believe, you are going to attract and repel people to or away from your business. And that is golden because you only want people who believe or agree with what you're doing to be in your tribe. For instance, let me give you an example as I've talked about this before and I'll continue to talk about this. I don't believe that it's a smart business plan for most entrepreneurs to be selling low-end information products. 
The only caveat to that is if you have a huge list, a huge following, and you know how to drive massive amounts of traffic and you can make it profitable. But otherwise, if you want to create transformation for people, if you want to really help them, you know, go from where they are to where they want to be, it's going to have to come from some type of hand-holding coaching program. And when I say coaching program, I'm not talking about, hey, here's a course, go do it on your own. It's a done with you type of model where it's not necessarily one-on-one, but it's done in a group. It's higher price points. You're selectively choosing the people you want to work with. And that is it. Premium pricing, premium clients, premium results. That's what I believe in. That's what Healthpreneur is built upon. And as a result of that, we don't offer any $7 eBooks. We don't do any of that nonsense. We have a workshop and our mastermind and Healthpreneur Live, which is our annual event. That's it. And obviously our podcast, which is completely free. So if you don't like the podcast, please email us and we'll refund you. But that's the key is that you have to take a stance for what you believe in, whether it's your position on a specific diet or you know the way people approach life or whatever you believe in, share that overtly. Let people know what you stand for and stand against. That's how you're going to attract the right people into your business. That is how you're going to stand out. That's how you're going to grow and enjoy the process a lot more, okay? So if you want help with this stuff, if you want to be able to attract clients more predictably, if you want to be able to enroll them without feeling salesy, if you want to be able to deliver an amazing result for them without one-on-one coaching, we can help you. And we can do so in the form of a 45-minute free call we call the Results Accelerator Call. And this is our opportunity to jump on the phone together and figure out exactly those three things. We'll figure out where you are, where you want to go, where you're stuck, and we can give you clarity on how to approach those elements of your business so you can move forward with more ease and clarity. If that sounds good to you, head on over to healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash book to book your call today. Again, it's totally free. And if you're wondering if this is going to be a sales pitch, it's not. In fact, we actually don't even invite a lot of the people we speak to to work with us at a higher level. If you are interested in that, we can tell you more about that at the end of the call. But again, for us, we have to make sure that it's a good fit as well. So the call is all about you. It's all about being of service. And that's it. It's all about helping you move forward with a lot more clarity. Sound good? So thank you once again for joining me on the show today and hope you've enjoyed this one. If you have, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, Healthpreneur Podcast on iTunes. And if you'd love to leave a rating or review, that would be cool as well. On that note, I will bid you farewell. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Continue to get out there, be great and do great. And I will see you in our next episode.